Hey everybody, it's Ian Reed Twist, the pastor at Holy Cross Episcopal Church in uh, Novi, Michigan. And today's sermon was preached on Sunday, the 17th of November, 2019. And as usual, I will read the gospel reading that it's based on first, and then we will get to the sermon. A reading from Luke. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls." At a uh, clergy meeting a little while ago, a colleague of mine told a story about a ministry review process that her church went through. In that process, the vestry solicited written feedback from parishioners. Most of the criticisms were constructive and specific about the church's challenges, but one anonymous church member wrote, the pastor is a waste. That was it. No signature, no explanation, no suggestions for improvement, just the pastor is a waste. A sniper shot taken from behind the wall of anonymity aimed only to harm. And even though my colleague knew she should not give much energy to this inappropriate communication, she had to admit that it hurt. She found herself wondering, Was she a waste? Had she been failing to fulfill her role as the spiritual leader and catalyst of that community? Out of all the good things people had said and the helpful criticisms people had offered, it was the one phrase she kept ruminating over. The pastor is a waste. Well, That's not the first time I've been in conversation with colleagues and felt so deeply grateful to be in ministry here at Holy Cross, where I'd say we're pretty good at keeping our communication supportive, respectful, and above board, even when we disagree. No one's told me I'm a waste yet. 
But if you do, I hope you'll do it to my face. So I felt gratitude about that. And I also felt anger on this colleague's behalf. I kept having these revenge fantasies, <laughs> thinking about how if I were she, I would be looking for just the right thing to say that would skewer that anonymous critic. Some snarky, clever riposte that I could deliver to the whole congregation, so powerful that it would shame that person even in his or her anonymity so that he or she would sink quietly into silence and never communicate again. <laughs> okay, maybe I got a bit carried away. <laughs> but I was mad. So I mention this story because it seems to me that today's gospel passage might appeal to that same feeling in Luke's original audience, that same deep desire to speak words that dumbfound one's enemies. That audience was living about 50 years after Jesus died, in the kind of adversity that he predicts in this passage, as Roman authorities and other groups persecuted and imprisoned and even killed these early Christians for their beliefs. So it must have felt like this incredible wish fulfillment, you know, to, um, to read Jesus' assurance that when they were hauled before kings and governors, they needed to prepare no defense. Just open your mouth, Jesus promises, and I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. Oh, yes, those Christians must have thought. I might even be willing to die for Jesus if I could have that one moment of satisfaction, that one perfect rhetorical utterance that leaves my opponent silent. But it doesn't really work that way, does it? I mean, when you think about it, the argument that leaves people gasping for words is really a thing of fantasy. In any dispute, there's always a comeback. In fact, the notion that argument alone can sway somebody is sort of a dream in general. With most people, by the time you're in an argument, each side has long since shut down to the other's point of view and is listening for one purpose only, rebuttal. But here's where the word choices in Jesus' promise become important. He doesn't say, I'll give you debating points that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. He says, I'll give you words and wisdom. Words and wisdom. Because this is your chance not to argue, but to testify. In Greek, martyrion, which literally means to bear witness and from which we get the word martyr. So there's a kind of verbal jujitsu implied here that has less to do with winning arguments than with extending wisdom. And really, that less oppositional, more loving approach fits better with the advice Jesus gives earlier in Luke to love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. In fact, the only kinds of words I can imagine 
that might truly flabbergast and silence one's opponents are not words that construct the perfect argument, but words that surprise enmity with love. Words that do not toss grenades, but extend olive branches. Words that sidestep the oppositional dynamic of debate in general, and instead insist on our common humanity, our common susceptibility to transformation for the better. And to my great admiration, those are exactly the kinds of words this clergy colleague of mine found to respond to her anonymous detractor. She really took time and prayed with her pain. She considered what this person had written, that she was a waste. And then she preached about it that Sunday. She didn't hide what had happened. She named it and quoted it. But when people gasped in horror, she said, no, no, wait a minute. I am a waste. I'm a waste in my failures and my brokenness and my humanity. And aren't we all, really? But in Genesis, God hovers over the waste of the void and creates light. God fashions light out of waste. And in the end, that's the only thing that really matters. Amen. Okay, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to this week's sermon. And if you want more information about me or the church, you can always go to our website, holycrossnovi, that's N-O-V-I, dot org. And in the meantime, have a blessed week, and you can find more sermons as we publish them in the same place you found this one. Take care.